pulled off on this road and I pointed my car towards the lights. It was a stationary light and it shined down towards the ground, but it never actually reached the ground. The tip of each wing had an identical type of light that the front did. This is the Crypto Creatures Podcast. I am Brian, and with me, as always, is my co-host, Todd. What's going on, buddy? Just getting ready for another episode, man. What are you doing? I'm just waiting. Just excited to hear this one. Yeah, me too. I'm going to do something a little different here. Got a UFO encounter coming on. Something a little bit different than our... Right on, man. I'm always excited to hear UFO encounters. Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm getting more into it lately, uh, checking stuff out. So, um, you know, it's it's good to get someone on and talk about something like that and a little bit different. And it's nice to change it up a little bit. Yeah, sure. Yeah, sure. So uh, we got Mike coming on talking about his um, UFO encounter in Ohio. Ohio, another 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 Ohio. Weird stuff going on in Ohio. So let's not waste any more time. Let's bring him on. What do you say? Yeah, let's get him. All right, here we go. Mike, thanks for coming on and talking to us today. Hey, no yeah, problem. good having you. Yeah, thanks for having me. So, Mike, you had an encounter, a UFO encounter, uh, back in the late 90s in Ohio. Is that right? That's right. Uh, why don't you talk about that? Tell us what was going on the day that this happened, what you are doing, and uh, just take us into the story. Well, um, at the time, it was, I believe it was 1994, um, it, I think it was August, based upon the um, you know the the way the farm farmers were working, taking taking the crops and that kind of thing. Um, and I was at, I was at, in '94. I was about 20 years old, and I was working in Columbus, Ohio. Um, at my job at the time was second shift, so I got off at like 11:30 every night. Um, and I lived about 30 minutes west of Columbus in a little town called London at the time. Um, and if you keep going west about another hour or so, you hit Wright Pat Air Force Base, which is, um, you know, has its its place in uf- ufology, I guess you could say, um, with uh, Roswell and Kecksburg and all that kind of fun stuff. Um, so when I was working, I was working with uh, two or three friends of mine. We worked together and we lived in the same town and we worked the same shift. So we would all go home at the same time and we'd all go home the same way usually. And there were three ways to get home. You could either take 70, the interstate, which was the quickest, um, or you could take four, route four, um, which ran parallel to 70. And it went through a couple small towns. So it wasn't quite as quick, but it was still relatively quick. And you could go the back way through the country, what I call the back way, which is through country roads and stuff like that. And for about two weeks, we noticed out, west when we were going home we would see three lights um, and they were larger than stars but they weren't quite big enough to make out what they were you just saw three big lights um, and it was unique because they moved um, and they moved in the same pattern every day or every night for like the two weeks so if when you were driving home on uh, interstate 70 
they would fill your windshield of your car and you couldn't help but look at them and notice them. Um, so if you were looking out your window of your car and you were driving, there were three lights. Well, I, I, I'll call them lights one, two, and three. So light one was on the left side of your windshield and it started up in the sky and it would travel down a straight line slowly and it would come almost to the horizon and it would kind of turn and, and turn up and then travel up in a straight line parallel to the path it just ha- it just came down on and would reach a certain point in the sky and it would turn and it would come down again. And it just repeated this pattern all night long, every night for like two weeks. Um, light number three was on the far side of, if you're looking out your windshield, on the far side on the right, it did the same exact thing. Um, up and down, you know, it would come down towards the horizon. It would kind of turn and rotate and come, go back up, hit the top, and then, you know, up in the sky, and then it would turn and come back down. Now, I don't know, I don't remember if the lights were doing this, you know, in, ta- in tandem. You know, I don't know if they were both going up and down at the same time. I don't remember if one was going up and one was going down. I don't remember that much detail. Because it's been a few years ago. Um, but I do remember them going up and down like that. And then light number two, it was weird um, because it started on the left, right above the horizon, um, almost in the area where light number one almost touched the horizon. But it would go left to right, and it would travel along the horizon, and it would get to almost where light number three was touching the horizon. And it would kind of rotate down towards the horizon, and it looked like it was going to go back, it was going to go left back across the horizon, but it would disappear and then a second or two later, it would reappear on the left side where light number one was, would rotate up a little bit and then travel left to right across the horizon. Um, it would hit where light, light number three was, it would rotate down, disappear, reappear on the, on the left side, and it just went through this cycle over and over and over. Um, the lights traveled up and down and left and right relatively slowly. Um, I mean, it, it was it wasn't super, it wasn't fast, but it was fast enough that you could you could tell they were moving, but they, it wasn't like zipping up and down or left and right or anything like that. Mm-hmm. So, you know, at the time I was, you know, tw- I think I was twenty at the time, and my friend was like twenty three or twenty four, and another guy was like twenty three. So, you know, in the nineties, I know they weren't really into UFO stuff, and I was a little bit, but not a lot. Um, there was no internet. There were no self. Well, there may have been internet, but we didn't have it at the time. Um, and if we did, and those who did have it, it was dial-up. You know, remember those days? Oh, yeah. um, nobody had nobody had cell phones, much less a smartphone. So we couldn't record anything. And at twenty years old, you're a twenty year old guy. Your mind's on other things. You know what you're going to do this weekend. Who you're going to go out with? What you're going to do after work? You know that kind of thing. So we would talk about it in as much as, oh, that's weird. Look at that. But we never talked about it more past that. Um, so it, I thought it was interesting <clears throat> that it was out west towards Wright Pat. Now, I don't know where these lights actually were um, because I didn't actually go looking for them that way. But they were out in that general direction. Um, I have a, a couple friends that well, I had a friend that worked at Wright Pat at the time. Um, he was an MP in the Air Force. 
And I had another friend that was in the army and I asked them about what was happening at Wright Pat um, after, you know, after this incident of mine, because it kind of piqued my curiosity. And the MP, um, he went to church with us and I grew up with him. He was a few years older than me and he was the preacher's son. So he had no reason to lie about anything. So I asked him, you know, what happens? What do you know about Wright Pat? You know, and he said, well, I don't know a lot. He said, all I know is that when I was working there, I was told that there was a certain area of Wright Pat where I was not allowed to go. And if I were to step in that area, I would be shot and killed. So don't do that. And I asked my other friend who was in the army what he knew about Wright Pat. And he said that he didn't know what was there, but from the paperwork that's come across, came across his desk and that he saw, he said, there is definitely something there, something they don't want you to know about, but he didn't know what it was. So that, I guess this incident and those two guys kind of is what made me more interested in UFOs. Um, but, you know, back back to the incident. Um, so, you know, my friends and I, we talked about the lights. We said, that's weird, but, you know, it didn't keep, keep our attention very long for 20-year-old guys. So one night, it was in August. Um, it was mid to late August. It was a warm, clear night. And um, got off work at 1130. And I decided in the summertime, usually I drove home on the back roads because I could you know, take my time. I could blast the, blast the radio, roll the windows down and just enjoy the drive. So I decided I was going to go home this night. I think it was a Friday night. I was going to go home and roll the windows down, turn the radio up. And I was driving. I was watching the lights and I thought, well, you know, I'm going to try to get their attention. So, you know, at 40 something now, sounds like a silly idea, but when you're 20 years old, you think that, well, that's a great idea, you know, so every time I turned towards the lights in my car, I would flash, I would just drive down the road and constantly flash my bright lights. It doesn't make a lot of sense to me now, but at the time I thought I was a, a genius for doing this. And so I'm driving for a little bit and I get about three quarters of the way home. And I realized that light number three, now all three lights kept doing their same pattern, but light number three on the right, every time it cycled through its pattern, it seemed to get bigger and bigger. And I thought, well, that's interesting. So I, I took that to mean that the light was, whatever this was, was coming towards me. So I kept doing my flashing my, of my lights and that type of thing. And I get about probably five or six minutes from home, and I'm in the middle of nowhere, basically. And I noticed that light number three is starting to take a shape. It wasn't just a, a, a ball of light anymore. It had a shape to it. So I found a country road. Um, and I, sh I should also mention that the night was, you know, like I said, it was warm and it was no clouds in the sky. There was no wind, but the, the moon was super bright. So I don't mean, I don't know if it was a full moon, but I know that when you're out in the country, it was light enough that when you're when you're standing outside, that it would actually uh, cast your shadow on the ground. Um, some people that live in the city may not understand that. But when you're out in the middle of nowhere and there's no street lights, no light pollution, and the moon's super bright, you can actually see your shadow at night. So I pulled off the, on this road and I pointed my car towards the lights. Um, and I knew enough at the time about UFO experiences with cars that people say they interfere with your car, they interfere with your, your lights, your radio, that type of thing. So I made a point to keep my lights turned on, keep the car running, 
um, and keep the radio playing. I got out of the, I, I parked the car, pointed towards them. I had the Columbus was, was behind me and the moon was behind me as well. So when I, I got out, I remember seeing my shadow on the ground from the moon and I got out of the car and I watched this object come towards me. So if you can think about your stereotypical raindrop, how it's kind of round at the bottom and it actually tapers to a point at the top as it's falling. Um, that's what this was like. But you take that shape and you turn it on its side. And instead of being a, a really round at the front and coming to a sharp point at the back, it tapered more evenly to a point at the back. Um, so the round the front wasn't round. It was more like a pointed oval type of thing. Um, and it came to a, a long point at, at the back. And I saw that it had wings on each side of it. Um, the wings weren't thin like um, like you see on an airplane wing. They weren't like a foil type of shape. They were they seemed to be very very thick, and they seemed to be the same thickness at the front as they were in the back. Um, and the wings were swept back at a really acute angle. I'd probably say a twenty or thirty degree angle. They were really swept back significantly on whatever this was. Um, and at the front of this object, I don't know what it was, but at the front of it, there seemed to be a light um, that was a yellow color. And it kind of, it was like a spotlight, but it was, it took, it took the whole front of this, this object. And I don't know if you guys ever saw the, if you guys are into Star Trek or anything, but mm -hmm. there was an, a, a Star Trek movie um, I think it was the search for Spock where they went back. Um, and maybe it wasn't search for Spock. I don't remember, but there was, there was a Star Trek movie where the, the Klingon bird of prey was, could fire when it was cloaked. And there's a scene where it fires its torpedo at the enterprise and it lights up the front of the bird of prey. And the bird of prey has like a head on it and it has a big um, outlet for this torpedo at the bottom of, of, of this head of this bird of prey. And that's kind of what it reminded me of. Um, it was. It took up almost the whole front of this object, and it was yellow, and it was. But it was a stationary light, and it shined down towards the ground, but it never actually reached the ground. It kind of shined down, and then it kind of just dissipated. Hmm. And that it. It was actually the object was actually sort of at my one o'clock, I guess you could say, and as it came towards me, it started to bank towards its left. And I saw the tip of its left wing as it, it as it started to bank. And I could see that the tip of each wing had an identical type of light that the front did. Um, a yellow light that seemed to be incorporated into the object that didn't rotate or move. It was stationary. And it shined down a yellow light, but it never reached the ground. And as it, as it rotated and, or as it banked, it kind of, you know, it dipped its left wing down and kind of banked. And I could see its underbelly. And I could see on its right wing, I could see four lights along the front of its, white, of its right wing. And they were a yellow, but it was a different shade of yellow. It was more like a dim yellow. And when I saw it, I thought it was more like portholes because they looked to be illuminated from within. Um, but I, I couldn't really tell. Um, I could also couldn't tell how big the object was or how low it was because I had no frame of reference because it was in the sky. Um, 
but the more I thought about it, the object was pretty large. Um, so either it was really high and super big, or it was really low and, and relatively big. You know what I mean? Um, so I was, I'm guessing that it was probably maybe 30 or 40 feet above me. It was, it was low enough that the moonlight was reflecting off the underside of it. And I could see texture on its, on, on its skin, I guess you would say. Um, if you ever saw a, I, I guess when I was in school, we had, uh, soundproof rooms for our band and they had, they were lined with what looked like styrofoam. And I think you see them in some recording studios also. And they have like um, three, there were, there were squares um, in, uh, uh, along the wall. And you had three or four vertical uh, lines and then and a square. And then right next to it, you had three or four horizontal lines and they alternated. Mm-hmm. That's kind of what it looked like. Um, now, you know, it was dark. The moon was shining on it. And it, w- it was a dark object, but I don't think it was black. It looked to be more like a super dark blue. But, you know, I, it was hard to tell. Um, so this thing, it came towards me. I saw its lights. And they weren't flashing or anything. They were just, you know, steady lights. Um, I, I did notice that the tail of it came to what looked like a point, And it had no rudders or anything like that, like you would see on an airplane. It just came to a point. Um, and then, like I said, the wings were swept back uh, rather significantly. And as it came over my car, um, it banked to its left like it was turning, but it, it was still coming towards me. And there was no noise. There was no engine noise. There was no propellers. There were no blades. And it, it flew over top of my car. Um, my car kept running. The radio kept playing. The light stayed on. So I had nothing weird happen there. And as it, I remember as it, drifted over my car I, I was turning and looking at it and i turned around and i could see off in the distance the lights of columbus and i thought oh i need to see what the other lights are doing so i turned around and looked at the other lights and they were still doing their thing and i turned around and looked back at this object and it was just gone it had, it had just it just disappeared um, with no noise or anything so And I remember that night was really clear and there was one puffy little cloud up in the sky, one small little puffy cloud, no clouds out at all. And I could see literally a 360 degree of all the horizon. I looked everywhere I could look and I, this object that kind of drifted over my car, it just disappeared with no sound or anything. Um, At the time, you know, like I said, I had nothing in my car, no recording devices in the car or anything like that. Um, I do remember that from the time I stopped my car until the time the object drift over me, I have a little bit of missing time there. And I'm not saying I was abducted or anything like that. I'm just saying I don't remember, you know, once I get, I remember parking the car, I remember getting out of the car. And then the next thing I remember, this thing is over top of my car. So that little bit in between, I don't remember. I don't remember it coming towards me. I don't remember it how, you know, if it took two minutes or 30 seconds or anything like that to get to me. Um, you know, maybe I just don't remember it because of what I saw was so weird that I kind of forgot the other stuff. I I don't remember. Um, but I, I remember I got back into my car wondering what, what in the world just happened. And I remember, oh, I don't say I remember, I I don't want to say I remember. I say, I'll say, I know that I drove home, but I don't really remember the drive home. And again, it may have just been because I was so 
weirded out by what just happened. I just don't remember. Um, but the next thing I remember, it's the next morning I'm, and I'm, I, I'm waking up. So I wanted to say that was a Friday because we worked Monday through Friday. And by the time I got back to work on Monday, I had almost almost forgot about it, which sounds really strange. But I don't remember talking to my friends about it at all. Um, so that's just weird, you know, but, you know, it is what it is. I, I don't know what happened, but I don't remember talking to my friends about it. I do remember driving home for another three, maybe four nights, and all three lights were doing their same patterns again. Um, I actually drove home the same way every night for the next two or three nights, flashing my lights, trying to make it happen again, and it never happened. And after the third or fourth night, the lights were gone, and I never, and I never saw them again. Hmm. Um, being that it, I was the age I was, I didn't think to watch the news or anything like that. I didn't think about, you know, again, we didn't have internet at the time, so I couldn't look anything up. It was just really strange. This thing kind of drifted over my car and it looked really odd and it just disappeared. Like, in, like from the time I, I was looking at it and I looked back to the lights and looked back, it was maybe three seconds because I just looked enough to see, because I, I wanted to see, are the other lights coming or what are they doing? And they were doing their same thing. And then by the time I looked back, the thing was gone. So there was no way for this thing, even if it was some type of jet, to just take off and be totally gone and not being able to be seen anywhere in the in the sky. You know, that and the fact that, and the fact that there was no noise, you know, it just that wasn't possible. So I don't know where this thing went, how it went. I don't know if maybe if it, you know, just kind of like cloaked itself i guess maybe you could say and i and it was there i couldn't see it but i was just dumbfounded because it was there one minute and then literally three seconds two three seconds later it was just gone did you say you were 30 to 40 feet away from this thing you think it it was it was low um you know i i don't have any there was no trees around so i couldn't tell but it was it was close i, I originally thought maybe it was 100 feet above me but then I got thinking that's like 10 stories and it was way closer than that because I could see the texture on, on its skin, you know, up on the outside of this thing. So it had to be closer than that. So I, I'm guessing at the most 50 feet above me. So it, it was, it was pretty close. Pretty low. It's interesting. You talk about the time frame. I mean, nowadays we have drones. Um, right. I guess my first question, how big do you think this thing was? If you had to estimate based on how close you were to it, how wide, well, it, it, if if it was fifty feet above me, like like I'm guessing, it was two school buses long, and maybe a school bus and a half. Well, maybe not quite a school bus and a half from wingtip to wingtip. Wow! So it was it was significant. That's, yeah, that's pretty big. Yeah, it, it was it was a good it was a good size thing. I mean, if if I held my arms up, um, you know, if you hold your arms up. And put your 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 arm straight up in the air, it, it and stuck your fingers out like you were trying to measure something. It was almost as wide as you it would that would be. Mm -hmm. Well, I, I won't say it was. I, I have to rephrase that. It wasn't as wide as that. It was as long as that. So from the tip from tip to tip, it was almost as long as your fingers would be apart from each other. Right. Well, when people talk about UFOs, they automatically go to alien. 
that's really not what specifically a UFO is. It's just right. an unidentified flying object, right? Um, right? So who knows where this thing could have come from? The fact that it was close to an Air Force base kind of makes mm-hmm. you wonder. Especially that Air Force base. Right. Um, all the less, uh, you know, still what's going on here. Um, like I said, drones, you know, have come out, you know, in the past, I don't know how many years, but back in the nineties, I don't believe that we had those things. And even, even with the drones today, uh, they make noise. They make know? a lot right. of noise. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you can, well, I didn't know, I didn't know at the time about stealth blimps. I didn't know about that until about 10 years ago. So, you know, I got thinking maybe it was some type of stealth blimp because it was slow, but it wasn't like, it, it's so weird. It, it was slower than like a plane or a helicopter, but it wasn't like super slow. You know what I mean? So, I mean, you could see it moving, but it made no noise. But even blimps, well, they call them stealth blimps for a reason, I guess. But, you know, like a Goodyear blimp, they have propellers and stuff. And you can hear them, especially if it's that close. So, yeah, I don't know. It, it, it was just weird that it made no noise. What color were the lights? Were they just like white lights when you first saw them? Or were they different colors? Uh, you, you mean when they were off in the distance? Yeah. Yeah, they were just like really giant stars. They were white. And they didn't twinkle or shimmer. They just moved, you know, and the, the two things that brought them to our attention was that they were bigger than any other star in the sky and that they were moving. You know, we thought that was strange. Um, you flashing your lights at this thing drew its attention to you, obviously, and it come to check you out. Did you know that most vitamin D3 supplements come from sheep's wool? Ew, seriously. They squeeze the grease out of the wool and process it with chemicals and then you eat it. I'm Kat, mother of three and founder of Ritual, the company making traceability the new standard in the supplement industry. When I was pregnant, I got rid of products I didn't want anywhere near my body. I found that many multivitamins contained high amounts of heavy metals, synthetic colorants, and even lacked some of the nutrients we actually needed. So what did I do? At four months pregnant, I quit my job and started Ritual because all women deserve to know what they're putting in their bodies and why. Ritual's products are made traceable, meaning we share the science and sourcing for every single ingredient. For example, our vegan vitamin D3 comes from sustainably harvested lichen in Nottingham, England, not sheep. We trace like a mother because, let's be honest, no one cares quite like a mother. See for yourself with 25% off at ritual.com slash podcast. Um, and as big as that thing was, in your opinion, do you think there was, there was some kind of life form inside this thing? I have, I mean, I really have no idea, but, um, I mean, it, it saw me and it came to investigate me. So whether it was controlled remotely or there was something in it controlling it, there was some type of intelligence to it. And the fact that, you know, for three, three, maybe four days after this happened, I did it again and it didn't care. You know, it's like it, I was doing the same thing and it saw me a couple of days ago and it's like, Hey, we already saw that guy. So we don't need to check him out anymore. You know? Yeah, and if that was, um, you know, a military thing or, or from that base, those guys wouldn't have given two craps about what you were doing, flashing your brights and coming and investigating right, exactly. you out, drone or not drone or whatever this thing was. And that's right. what's interesting. It, it came down to see what the heck heck you were doing. You said you had stopped and gotten out of the car too, right? Right, yeah. yeah. Um, were you scared at all when this was going on? Terrified? Just no, shocked? I didn't. I was just... I was like, wow, what is this? You know, you know, I was at that age where 
I was I was kind of dumb and I didn't you know maybe maybe now I would have been like I would have been a little nervous or concerned but then I was like wow this is kind of cool you know what is this thing and then the fact that I just kind of forgot about it for a few days afterwards also was kind of strange to me you know I would think I'd be telling everybody and I did mention um, a long time after this happened I mean, maybe 10 or 15 years after this happened I mentioned it to my mom and she's from that area and she said, oh, yeah, we used to see all kinds of weird things. There were reports of things landing in the fields out there and stuff. And I'm like, well, that would have been nice to know before, you know. Oh, no before but I did actually, um, after it happened a few years later, I did contact MUFON. And they sent a lady out, and I drew her a picture, and she took a report. And she gave me the report number, but I have since lost it. So I don't know, I don't know how long they keep it, that stuff, but it is in their record somewhere. And she said she didn't know of anything similar to that in the area at the time that we were talking. So I don't know. Do you still have the picture or can you can you uh, recreate it maybe and get it to us at some point so we yeah. can put that yeah, out I there? Can, yeah, I can try to get it to you and get it. I had one. I had a really good one I had on the computer somewhere, but the computer died. Okay. So I lost it. Um, but, yeah, I can get another one drew up. It's really hard to it's really hard to visualize it. So, yeah, I can do that. Okay. Yeah, that's yeah, great. You know, you never know with with these with these Air Force bases and all that. Uh, you know, Area Fifty One, all the weird stuff that goes on there. Is it our government experimenting with experimenting with things? Uh, are we interacting with things, and the government's keeping it from us because they don't want us to know? You talked about your buddy said, "Hey, if you go in there, they're going to shoot you." So yeah. uh, they obviously do not whatever is going on do not want people to know. Mm-hmm. Um, so maybe they are interacting with some with some uh, alien life forms, some 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 different kind of spacecraft that they didn't create. I actually remember when I was a kid, um, there is a town between where I lived in London and Dayton called Springfield, and we used to go there when I was a kid to the shopping mall and stuff. And I remember one time, time I was maybe nine or ten or eleven, something like that, and we we were walking through the parking lot and it was dusk out, and we I saw. Um, what I thought was a UFO being escor- escorted by um, some some jet fighters. And I was all excited. Oh, wow, I saw a UFO. And then years later, I found out that that was actually a stealth bomber. So they had a stealth bomber in the middle, and they had a fighter jet in the front and two fighter jets on the side. And they were flying. I guess they were going to land at Wright Pad or something. I don't know. But they were literally flying over the mall. And it, they were pretty low. I can actually see the, the shape, the triangle shape of it. And I was all excited. I thought it was UFO. And then I find out later it was actually a stealth bomber. So, yeah, they were doing weird things out there. And it probably still are, to be honest. Right. So, wow. yeah. Well, who knows with technology what we can do nowadays. Uh, you think about alien spacecraft or, or whatever, and, and they always talk about how there's no noise and how they can move, you know, so quickly. It's, you know. Any direction. Any direction, zapping around. Um, what kind of technology are we talking about? Is this magnetism? Is this is this some kind of gravitational thing? What feeds it? What makes it move? Um, obviously, it's not running on some kind of fuel, per se. I think it would probably make, make a noise. I, but, but who knows? Um, the weird thing is, is uh, you know, why is it such a secret? Uh, right. Know, why are they keeping this from us? Was the stealth bomber being uh, developed back in the, you know, mid to early um, 1900s and just came out? And now are they doing this and going to drop this on us, you know, 100 years down the road? Hey, we got we got spacecraft now. Um, 
But but Mike, what's your thoughts on on aliens and, and life out there besides us? Do you think it you think it exists? I think you'd have to be pretty arrogant to think that it doesn't. Um, you know, you just I, I watched a, a, a special on the Kepler Observatory uh, or the Kepler spacecraft a few weeks ago. And the stuff that they are seeing so far away and the, how big the universe, the galaxy is and stuff, you would have to be stupidly arrogant to think that we're the only life out there. Uh, now, the, is it visiting us? You know, I don't know. Maybe. I mean, anything, anything's possible. You know, you have a universe that's infinite. Everything's possible at some point. Right. Somewhere, at some point, everything's possible. Right. Uh, just if it's probable, I guess. And maybe they don't. Maybe they're not visiting us. Maybe they've been here all along. You know, you know, it's hard to say. Right. Um, yeah. I, I'm not. I, I'm not going to say no. That's crazy. You know. But I'd have to see some things. You know, just like Bigfoot. I'd have to see Bigfoot to believe it. I'm not saying it's not there, but it's you know, ex- extraordinary claims require extraordinary evidence, as they say. So, right. Yeah, I, I would see it. Well, what's your thoughts on the government saying, "Hey, uh, we're not. We're not saying that aliens and spacecraft are." not real but we're not saying it's real either they kind of never really came out and specified either way that i remember but they kind of left the door open what do you think about that well i think the government has to keep some things from people because you know i work with you know i worked with the public for a long time and there's a lot of stupid people in the public that they don't understand i mean i don't mean that in a derogatory way but there's a lot of uneducated people out there that don't i mean some people don't even know who their governor is you know, so right. Yeah. I mean, you know, some some stuff they have to keep from us, um, but I think the government, if it's keeping things from us, you know, the, part of it is because they need to. Another part is because they want to, whether or not you know they may not need to, but they want to. So, yeah, I, I don't know what their reasoning is, but I think some things that they need to keep from the public, you know, especially defense-related things. Um, but I think some things they need to keep from the public for the public's benefit, you know, so they don't go all crazy and riot in the streets and, you know, the economy collapses and stuff like that. Right. Um, but, you know, you hear stories about the, the men come every time somebody sees you or, or sees a big, all these men come out of the woodwork and harass them and stuff. And personally, I find that really hard to believe in a lot of ways because the government can't even balance a budget or deal with themselves. How are they going to keep this under wraps? Now, now my friend that was in the army I was telling you about, he had really high secret clearance in the, in the army. And he was telling me that there is a government within a government and that the yeah. president, the president really doesn't have a lot of say in a lot of things. Right. He's more like a figurehead. And I asked him, well, who are some of these people in the government? And he said, now take this for what it's worth. He said that one of them was in NASCAR. And he said, why? And this was about the time that Newt Gingrich was getting in all the trouble. And he said, why do you think Newt Gingrich is getting in all this trouble and nothing ever happens to him? And I said, well, what do you mean? He's like, well, Newt Gingrich is one of the, there's like six people in this government. He said, Newt Gingrich is one of the people in this government, in this shadow government. And I kind of said, okay. And I, I kind of, didn't really believe a lot of what he said when he told me, but I later saw his resume and he has a bunch of that stuff listed on his resume. So, you know, that he was in the military and he was from, he was from Virginia, if I remember right. 
And he was telling me about Greenbrier down in Virginia and about the underground stuff in Greenbrier. And his, his brother was a manager at the Greenbrier Resort. I thought that was a bunch of bunk until I learned about Greenbrier. And the more I learned about what he's telling me, the more he's been right. So, yeah, yeah I don't know. Brian and I have always said we could start a totally, totally different podcast about secret government and conspiracies and all that. We could do plenty of shows on that. Um, but yeah, I believe that too. I don't think that uh, yeah. the government, as we I've been know, saying that for years, runs this country. I think it's ran by other things, and I think we're kept in the dark about a lot more things than we, than we know about. Yeah. Oh yeah, Absolutely. for sure. But uh, do you ever go back to that area and look around anymore? Um, you know, I did for a long time. Actually, after this happened, I brought a disposable camera and a pair of binoculars and I kept on my glove box um, and all my cars until I got a cell phone that had, you know, recording capabilities. Um, and I'm, you know, I my parents still or my mom still lives in London. So it was just there yesterday, actually visiting. Um, I do go through that in that area a lot. Um, and I have seen weird lights in the sky, you know, at night when I've been out there. But you know, there is there is airport. You know, we have the, the big airport in Columbus, and then there's another little airport um, on the west side of Columbus, and then there's Rickenbacker Airport south of Columbus. So there are airports around. So you do see a lot of weird lights and stuff. But, yeah, I go out there quite frequently, but I've unfortunately never saw anything like that wow. since then. Hmm. Well, if you can uh, somehow get a hold of a – draw a picture again and get that to us, I'd like to see the, your your example of that, what you, yeah, you saw on paper. Um we can put that out there when we put this episode out too. Yeah, I can do that. Awesome. Absolutely. Well, thanks for coming on and talking with us, man, and telling us your, uh, your UFO encounter. That's an awesome story. Yeah, that was a great story. Um, yeah, keep your eye out, man, because there's a lot of weird stuff going on in Ohio. So. Yeah. Yes, there is. Uh, yeah, there and is. I don't think I'll be flying into Columbus around that area very much. <laughs> My, uh, in the recent future. Uh, you know, on, on a little bit of an aside, um, I don't know if you guys ever heard of the London Werewolf. But there was a story from the 80s about a werewolf that lived in London. And um, there was there was a show called the uh, Paranormal. Uh, I was on Sci-Fi Paranormal Witness. Oh, yeah. And, and they did. They did an episode about it. And I thought, wow, that's that's where I grew up. And I was like five or six when this happened. That was so cool. And I mentioned it to my mom. Oh. And she said, oh, yeah, you're related to him. And I'm like, well. Okay, first of all, how? And second of all, why am I just finding out about this now? Yeah, no kidding. And she's, I guess my stepfather, it was his great uncle that was said to be this guy. And I didn't find this out until about five or six years ago. And of course, they're, they're you know, they've all passed away by now, you know, yeah. since then, you know. But I was so there's a, there's a lot of weirdness out in this state. I'm loving it. Yeah, we've talked to a lot of eyewitnesses with Bigfoot and, and other things from Ohio. Um, yeah. You know, mm-hmm. who knows what's going on? with all this stuff and is it is it all linked together you know are these yeah, aircraft know, and these werewolves and these bigfoots are they you know what 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 the heck all going happens on here? in eastern ohio yeah and yeah. what are what are people seeing out there so mm-hmm. mike if you're out and about just keep your eyes open and uh try to get us some pictures whatever you can find man uh, that's that's really interesting i'd like to i'd like to know what the hell's going on yeah, i don't need to look into that some more yep yeah, I'll get you guys a picture of that. I'll draw one up and send it to you. Awesome. Right, cool. We appreciate you coming on and talking to us, man. Yeah. All right, well, thanks a lot, guys. I love your show. Thank you. Thanks, thanks for listening. Yeah, I'll listen to it every week. Awesome. Thanks, man. We appreciate that. Yeah, we do. We do. All right, bud. Will you take care and uh, get in touch when you see something and uh, try to get us a picture if you can? Yeah, do I will. It. We'll do. All thanks, right, guys. Bud. You have a good one. All right, Mike. Thanks. See, see ya. Bye.
Gotta love the UFO encounter. What do you think about that? Man, that was a good one. Uh, I can't wait to see the picture he's gonna he's gonna get for us. Yeah, yeah, and we'll put that out there on our on our Facebook, our group page, so people can see. Yeah, it. we'll put it out there when we drop this episode. Yeah, yeah. sure. It's interesting how it's by Air Force Base. Um, makes you wonder yeah. things, you know. Yeah, especially that one, right, Patterson? That's a big one. Yeah, because you know, UFO doesn't have to be alien related, does it? I mean, it's an identified flying object. Doesn't matter where it's from necessarily, but uh, strange nonetheless. So, still, yeah. Mm -hmm. Thanks to the listeners once again. Yeah, we appreciate you guys a lot. Definitely. Yeah, we wouldn't be here without you. So, if you or anyone you've known had an encounter, uh, reach out to us. Email us at info at cryptidcreatures.co. Hit us up on Facebook. Where else, Brian? Uh, Instagram, Twitter, we're everywhere. YouTube, you name it, right? All you got to do is look for cryptid creatures. Yep. So we're looking for, people to, looking for people to come on and talk about their encounters. So just let us know. Yeah, let us know. Email us, uh, DM us on, on Instagram or whatever. Brian, if you don't want to come on the show, we'll just you know give it to us in writing and we'll just read it or add it to our upcoming projects. Yeah, we've got we've got a lot of upcoming projects, a lot of stories to get on here where people didn't want to come on but we told them we'd read it for them, read their stories for them. So, we got that to come out yet too, so. Yeah, for sure. Brian, thanks again for hanging out, man. Oh man, always fun. Always a pleasure. Till next time. Good. See ya. See ya. Did you know that most vitamin D3 supplements come from sheep's wool? Ew, seriously. They squeeze the grease out of the wool and process it with chemicals, and then you eat it. I'm Kat, mother of three and founder of Ritual, the company making traceability the new standard in the supplement industry. When I was pregnant, I got rid of products I didn't want anywhere near my body. I found that many multivitamins contain high amounts of heavy metals, synthetic colorants, and even lacked some of the nutrients we actually needed. So what did I do? At four months pregnant, I quit my job and started Ritual because all women deserve to know what they're putting in their bodies and why. Ritual's products are made traceable, meaning we share the science and sourcing for every single ingredient. For example, our vegan vitamin D3 comes from sustainably harvested lichen in Nottingham, England, not sheep. We trace like a mother because, let's be honest, no one cares quite like a mother. See for yourself with 25% off at ritual.com slash podcast.